<laughs> okay, and there we go. just like that, we cord, and we are super excited today. We've got a wonderful guest on, but let's chat first of two seconds about what is today. Today is Tuesday. We know what that means. It's Triumph Tuesday. What are you triumphing over? Good morning, everyone. Carol Sue, aka Naughty Boss, Lady Canna, live from Pickleball U with two sisters. Hey, good morning, everyone. So excited to be here today. My name is Janice, aka Wellness Diva 3.0. And obviously, we have an amazing guest on today. I'm so excited to have her on, Dr. Sylvia Boley. She is amazing. Can't even cover everything that I want to say about Dr. Sylvia. So without further ado, welcome. We're so excited to have you on today. Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here with the two sisters. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> now, Dr. Boley, obviously we have tons of questions for you. And I, I know that the name of your business is Embrace Your Weight and Wellness. And I know that that name of your business has such great significance for you. So I really would love to kind of start there because that's kind of the backstory or the backdrop to your story. Absolutely. So yeah, so the name of it is actually Embrace You Weight. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. And then I'm not saying that to correct you because it's a common, a common, you know, mistake I think people make. And it's not just with my name, but even in their own weight and wellness journey, right? They treat the weight and, and their wellness as something separate from themselves. But the point and why I was really deliberate about saying embrace you you're not, you're not broken up into components. You are a total being. And really a lot of times when we go, when we're trying to make a positive health change, or when we're trying to change something about ourselves, we treat things in isolation. We're like, we focus on the number on the scale. Like I got to lose this weight. I got to lose this weight. I got to lose this weight without paying attention to everything else going on in our lives. Or we say, oh, I want to get my blood pressure down. I want to do, I want to get my diabetes cured. But but with just focusing on that one thing. But as I learned in my 60 pound weight loss journey, and I lost 60 pounds, not once, but twice, um, I learned that really the foundation of it was not going to be trying to just focus on those numbers on the scale or trying to just run, trying to just eat, uh, follow a strict diet. But it, it had to start with number one, loving myself and being kind to myself and embracing every aspect of myself. That meant the stuff I loved about myself that I was, thought was so cool and the, and the flaws, right? Because all of that went into who I was. So once I did that, then I was able to make a total lifestyle change that could last as opposed to just trying to make these quick fixes that were based on loathing myself really, or based on what I didn't like about myself. But from that place of love, then I was able to make a lasting change. And of course, you know, being a physician, I realized that a lot of what I had learned about weight loss wasn't actually true 
or based on science. So I got more education and more understanding. I became board certified in obesity medicine. And then I really took an interest in personalized science. So how is it that rather than just looking at these big bodies of data, which are useful just to get a start on where we should start from, but really listening to people, listening to what is going on with them, and then coming up with customized solutions. Because I always say weight is not a number, it's a story, right? And then weight loss without wellness is dangerous. So it really has to be embracing the whole person, embracing you to make it work. So that's the backstory um, of the name. I, I absolutely love that. And, and yeah. do, you, do you wonder why, and a lot of people talk about, you know, society, we're so impatient, you know, mm. and, and, you know, they kind of relate it now to more social media and, you know, that we can get answers very quickly through the internet. But I think when push comes to shove, people have always been impatient with embracing the journey. And I don't think it has anything to do necessarily with today's society, because I can say back in the day before we had all this digital and social media and hey, what's the answer to this question and just Google it. Mm -hmm. Back then we would, as human beings, we find ourselves be, being very impatient with ourselves and not being kind to understand that part of the healthy part of weight journey, whether it's up or whether it's down, is embracing the pieces that the longer it takes to a certain degree, the more and longer that you're going to feel healthier and you're going to sustain that healthy lifestyle. Do you see a correlation between the impatient piece to it? Oh, yeah. I think if you even look back historically, like all these antidotes to weight loss have been there way before there was the grapefruit diet, the cabbage diet, <laughs> you know, there was um, people drinking colas and all types of things, if you just look historically. So people have always, it's human nature to sort of want that quick fix and just get it done. But when you really think about it, um, even gaining the weight or coming, getting unhealthy, getting out of shape, it takes time, right? It's a gradual process. And so it's kind of irrational for us to expect that something that took years to develop to for it to be repaired in one week, one month, or even really in six months or a year. So I think that just shifting that mind frame that this is not going to be an instant fix, even if I take a pill, even if I get a surgery, if I do a diet, that is only part of the solution. And it's going to take, it's going to take time because the body is used to gradual changes. So I think, but you're, you're very right. We blame um, a lot of it on now, like social media, but it's the same principle. It just has different resources, different tools. We, as humans, we want that quick fix. <laughs> and so it's really important if you want to have lasting weight loss to just really fix your mind around. It took years to develop. It's going to take a while for it to repair, for the body to repair itself and thinking about it that way. Um, I love how you said, too, um, when you were talking about the background of embrace you weight and wellness, I focus in on lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we are big proponents of that. I had my own weight loss journey, but it wasn't until I, I embraced the idea that, okay, I 
am not going to go on another diet. I'm going to focus Mm -hmm. on my health. And obviously I was successful, but it really took me quite a long time to get to that point because I've tried to that point. I had tried every type of diet. So I'm wondering and when a client comes to you and they are in that, oh my God, you're going to put me on a diet. I love what you said about customized solutions, because I think that's very important for the woman or even the man that perhaps may be listening to this or viewing it on Facebook. And they so desperately want to get healthy, but they just like, okay, I don't know what to do here. And it really is overwhelming because of all the wealth of information. So when a patient comes to you, what is the starting point? For instance, maybe your typical woman patient who's about maybe my age or, and is just like, oh my God, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you mean when I work with women who are like 21, 25? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you, Dr. Sylvie. <laughs> oh, Lordy, that's, that's going to be playing in my head all day long. She's going to be messaging me. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my gosh. I, you kind of caught it. She said that so seriously. I was like, oh. <laughs> I know I had, pa- I had to pause her and think. I'm like, mm, what is she talking about? <laughs> Well, thank you. I'm going to be 59 in a couple months. So thank you. <laughs> All right. And you see, and I love that, you know, I love people embracing themselves and their age. I think youth is very glorified. I say that, I mean, you very definitely look very youthful, very fresh and healthy. Um, but so often people want to go back to that 25 year old weight, right? And really biologically, our bodies have changed. And once we hit past 30, just even what's going on hormonally, what's going on physiologically, it's changing. So trying to get back to that. So the first thing I do in Embrace You is try to figure out where are people's mindsets at? Like, what are your expectations? What's your goal? And I don't start immediately by saying that's wrong. You can never get that's, I will never do that, but I listen and really try to tease and understand why people want that. And a big part of what I do in Embrace You, when people first come in, there's a long questionnaire, but I always tell people, you know, 25 years from now, the technology will be such that you'll come in, we'll do a body scanner, we'll tell you exactly what, it will take some blood, we'll tell you exactly what diet you need to eat or what foods you need to eat for your, your genotype. We will look and be able to tell exactly what your body composition should be. But right now we don't have those tools. So what we have and what we should use, but don't use a lot is good old fashioned detective work, listening very carefully and really figuring out which of theirs, there's over a hundred triggers for weight gain, really. Um, When you look at the, the obesity society made this big graph that shows energy intake 
versus energy expenditure and all the things that contribute to it. So I'm really listening to you going through your story very carefully and seeing which of those triggers do you have and then figuring out what's controllable and what's uncontrollable. Because a lot of times people are beating themselves up for things that they can't control that cause weight gain. Like if your family history is such that at a certain age, like for me, what part of my 60 pound weight gain was pregnancy, that hormonal shift in my body, in my family, every woman gains like 50 pounds. So me trying to say, okay, and I did. So I had two very different pregnancy journeys. The first one, I ate a lot of cheese pizza. The second one, I ate a lot of kale, <laughs> you know, and the first one, barely any exercise. The second one, I ran up until seven months, then I walked and worked up until the day I delivered. But um, I still gained 60 pounds both times. That's an uncontrollable weight gain trigger for me. So me trying to say, okay, during pregnancy, I'm going to like basically, which I see a lot of women restrict myself so much and don't do this. That's not going to change. But what did change the second time around was knowing that Afterwards, my my triggers for keeping that weight on for four years, for um, two years, like I did the first time, was sleep deprivation, uncontrolled stress, and cheap pizza. <laughs> so I um so the second time that when I with my daughter who's now two, what I did is I addressed all of those things. I couldn't really change sleep, but I could change stress management. So I started working out much earlier. I started made sure I made time for my quiet time. I made time for alone time. I delegated where I could. And then I avoided those foods that I know trigger weight gain for me. So I think that's what I want to empower everyone who comes in through embrace you to do is to really know themselves well enough to know what are the weight gain triggers that are controllable and then what are those that are uncontrollable. What's uncontrollable, we just have to accept them and work with them. But what's controllable, we can come up with a plan that you can go to over and over again. And really that's how I've been able to keep the weight off for the past seven years. I love that. And, you know, one of my questions would be, because I do know that with weight gain, we tend to crave the, the foods that really are playing havoc mm -hmm. on our system. But I also know that there's a direct correlation between what we crave and a nutritional deficiency. Usually mm -hmm. if you uh, crave a certain food group, you're lacking in these nutritional factors. You mm -hmm. crave another food, food group, it, it, it means something else. Do you see that uh, along with the lifestyle change, uh, nutrition, gut health, knowing that our gut really is mm -hmm. our second brain, mm -hmm. is really going to uh, impact the journey in such a positive way that's also going to help for the maintenance piece to it. Oh, absolutely. So, um, you know, part of the Embrace You program is we do weekly support meetings, but our support meetings, I like to say, it's not confession. You don't roll up in there like, I ate chocolate this week and we all admonish you. It's not like that. It's actually education. So I've come up with a four month um, curriculum and one component of it, key to it is cravings. Because I think another thing, diet culture, like old diet culture, I like to say, kind of makes you feel like once you go on this diet, you'll stop being you and everything will go away. No, you're still going to face cravings. You're still going to face times where you may not feel like doing exercising, where you may not 
where you may feel overwhelmed by stress, but really you just need to come up with a plan that you can address it. So I always say every craving, like you mentioned, has a physiological, so a biological basis, but also has a psychological basis. And that's probably just two big, broad categories. So yes, I think it's important to listen to your body rather than deny the craving. A lot of times diet culture is like, oh, just deny, deny, deny. And what ends up happening to adults, once the more you deny it, the stronger the urge becomes until eventually you can't take it anymore and you end up binging and overdoing it. Whereas if you had just listened to that craving in the first place and see where it's the source, is it physiological because really I'm missing something in my body that I need? Or is it psychological or is it a little bit of both? And then go from there. It's so helpful. But I think you hit the nail on the head. It, there's always a source of it. And a lot of times, I think one of the key ones for me is sugar um, and refined carbohydrates and definitely psychologically when my stress level is off um, it that, that affects it so much and if it's specific like for instance chocolate which has a lot of antioxidants in it um, a lot of magnesium things like that so I definitely found that replacing that with high antioxidant foods like be it berries be it sweet red peppers while controlling the stress is super helpful during those times. What would you, what would you say to, because I mean, everyone's makeup is different. We know that we, if we were mm -hmm. the same, we'd all be very boring people, <laughs> but you always have those few little groups. Um, when you talk about stress eating mm -hmm. now for some people stress, which is, you know, we, we know that death to the body, some people lose weight mm -hmm. and then with stress, some people gain weight and they're not really changing the the amount of food that they're eating. Mm -hmm. Why would that be? Um, so I think, like you said, everybody is different. I always say that everybody is different, literally. Um, and But by and large, when we look at the studies, a lot of people do gain weight with it, but it's because um, there's a whole neural chemical cascade. Cortisol is what we are talking about. Um, and you might've heard that. And so that's our stress release hormone. So actually in the acute phase for most people, our appetite decreases and we favor weight loss in an acute phase of stress and acute being lasting like a couple of days. But we in this current climate, especially if we haven't lived through the pandemic and everything we've gone through are in a state of chronic stress. And chronic stress will wreak havoc on a system that was initially designed to help us kind of lose weight. So all our defenses get kind of thrown out of whack. Some people will still stay in the pathway as it was created, which was going to favor weight loss because all of your energy is being shifted towards fighting this acute stressor. So appetite goes down, um, digestion slows, and you and it all shifts towards your muscle building, memory, things like that, so that you can fight this stressor. So some people, which is the minority, will stay in that 
pathway, if you think about it that way. But most of us, unfortunately, will go into a pathway where we develop insulin resistance because the cortisol is going to throw off this hormone insulin, which helps get sugar into our bloodstream. And it's in high stress levels is associated with insulin resistance. It's also going to tr throw off some other hormones that um, affect appetite. So you're going to feel hungrier because your body's not using the sugar it needs. And those are people who we tend to see who will get the weight gain um, in that in that setting. So it's all kind of, it goes to the same pathway, but how different people respond to it. And, um, and they've actually looked at like genetic studies where they can see what type of cortisol responder you are, but that's not readily available yet. So that's why I'm like, I see the Star Trek future of weight management and obesity management. I'm like, it's just going to be so cool. I just, I'm hopeful that I will be around to be a part of it because I feel like we're in the stone ages, honestly, of weight management. Like, it's, I'm serious, guys. People laugh when I say that, but I mean, it was only 2013 that the American Medical Association recognized obesity as a medical condition, as a disease. Wow, and I didn't realize that was Mm -hmm. 2013. That's shocking. That's shocking. Yeah. And that, that explains why still so many clinicians, physicians treat obesity or treat weight gain as if it's a lifestyle choice. When we really know, like just from some of what I've explained, that um, the physiology or how the body works is so complicated. And it's not all just people choosing to eat more and exercise less. There really is so much more going on in the body to cause them. And I love that because that's going to really give those that have that defeated type of like, you know, I'm mm -hmm. doing I'm exercising. I'm really sticking to good for food groups. I'm, I'm really watching that sugar intake. And yet I still not. I still can't get the weight off. So I love that because that's going to give so many other people that struggle with that piece to it. Hope that their 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 efforts are not going unnoticed. Yes, yes. And I feel like, you know, and this is part of why I'm so passionate about doing this work. And I mean, really have changed my whole career. I mean, I was in traditional primary care, internal medicine, I even worked on the COVID front lines as an internal medicine physician. And I and I love that work. But I just feel like when it comes to obesity, um, so many people are being blamed, they're being shamed and not treated well, honestly, or treated correctly. And it is something that is intervenable upon and can make such a huge lifestyle difference. And I think the piece I didn't share, but I should always share is that my own grandmother, who I'm named after, Sylvia, um, she had obesity and that was actually what contributed to her passing. And so I think from a young age, it was impressed on me that, that really weight, while it can be in some cultures, it's a beauty standard. Like my grandmother was, you know, the bell of the town, right? Because she had the big hips and she had a large bust, you know, and was a curvy woman. Um, but when that, when that manifested it with the diseases like diabetes, hypertension, everything like that, it really had played, took a toll on her health. And so I think it's just so important um, to try to reach people where they are and to help them, especially people living with obesity. Absolutely. And I have some questions about obesity and perhaps clients um, that have 
undergone the weight loss surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, because I know obviously from being a health coach, um, I had about three or four patients that had the surgery lost all the weight and then they gained so much weight back mm-hmm. and then some, and mm-hmm. I'm just curious as to, you know, a different protocol or just, you know, a glimmer of hope for these patients that, oh my gosh, I put my body through going through weight loss surgery and, and here I'm back to where I am. And I think for me as the health coach, you know, it, it kind of breaks my heart that, mm-hmm they are where they are. And I don't think that I'm a big fan of that, but I am a fan of it. If that's like their only alternative. Mm -hmm. So I guess my question would be, have you ever worked with patients that have been in that similar situation? Oh yeah, absolutely. So I, so I think it's important, like we said earlier when um, Carol Sue asked me a question, just to remember that weight loss surgery is a tool. It's one of the tools to help facilitate that initial weight loss. But when it comes to, and we really need to think about it in two phases, there's the acute, like the actual weight loss phase, and then there's weight maintenance. And there's two, it's going to take different techniques for each, right? What we do in weight loss may not necessarily work in weight maintenance because once we lose that weight, our body is always fighting to gain the weight back. Let us never forget fat is good. Fat is helpful. Fat it was made for storage, for hormonal regulation. It protects us. What we, When we talk about obesity, we're talking about an accumulation of excess fat that is now um, causing hor- disruption in the body, both physically and hormonally. So but the body still sees that acute, that higher weight as a good thing. So it's going to set up mechanisms and a whole slew of things to try to get back to that higher weight because it thinks it's protecting you. If we were in caveman eras, you would the person with obesity would be the queen of the town, right? I would be eaten by T-Rex. <laughs> so I tell my patients that all the time. Like So this is why. I think it's important to recognize this is why it's happening. So we have to then think about okay, well, the surgery was what got me to lose weight, but my body sees this as a threat. So what can I, what signals can I tell my body to make sure that I am maintaining this weight? It won't just be one thing. So often we just focus on the external, right? Which is eating the food, exercise, and that's what they tell people. But it's it's so many other things too. And it may involve the use of medication, quite honestly, because some weight loss surgery, depending on which type you do, there's four types, right? And then there's other types of procedures. Some weight loss surgery is only just an, an anatomical fix, but it doesn't fix the hormonal changes in the body. So you may need medicine to help with it. And I think that's important because again, with this whole blame, shame, kind of you, you ate more. That's why you gained the weight back. You did it. No, your metabolism slow because your body favored going back to that higher weight. And you had a lot of hormonal changes after you had this massive weight loss that may need to be corrected, even in the short term with medication as a bridge. Um, certainly there are people who can maintain it just with, with health changes, weight um, with even some supplementation, with um, 
food changes, with exercise, with stress management techniques. It's a huge thing because we forget the behavioral component of it. And really people need that behavioral support, which is why a health coach can help, a psychologist can help because it's so, it's stressful. And even we talk about shame with just having obesity, but with weight loss surgery, I'm in a lot of those support groups online and things like that. And there's a lot of shaming with people getting surgery. Like you're taking the quote unquote easy way out. There is nothing easy about making a major anatomical change to your body that lasts your lifetime. And so I think it's so important that we who are in the health space really empower people who make that as the best decision for themselves to know that there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing easy about what you did. And, but it's, it's not going to be a quick fix either. And we need to support you through not just the weight loss phase, which a lot of people get support in the weight loss phase, but it's the weight maintenance phase that they don't get. And up to 20% of people will gain back the weight, if not more, without adequate support. I agree with that because I've seen so many people that have gone undergone that particular surgery. And I feel... I feel for them when they get to that point where like Jan was talking about, they, they start to gain the weight back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to me, it always connected the dots that part of it is things that we initially can't control until we embrace that the, the body's reacting physically yeah. in a certain manner and it's manifesting to what it wanted to be. And that goes along with mindset and that training and also the education piece. And I do hope that those surgeons that provide and doctors that physicians that provide that kind of service do their patients due diligence by really requiring them to really kind of go over that piece to it. Mm -hmm. Because I think it almost seems like the actual operation while very, very difficult, I think the real work begins after the recovery and then getting into that phase of the mindset and really understanding. Mm-hmm. And that way, when you're kind of your eyes are open to the whole process, those patients will, will hopefully gain more success and understanding that, you know, the journey, it, it doesn't stop after the surgery. And I think for some, mm-hmm they're not mentally prepared for that. And I don't know whether that is part of where they're going and they're not kind of reviewing that or they may be actually being reviewing it, but we're not absorbing it because there's not a lot of information about the aftercare of -hmm. that particular surgery, not really understanding the physical piece to why your body's kind of wants to go back to the way it was. Absolutely. And I think, you know, now insurance companies in particular are requiring like a six month period where you meet monthly with a um, comprehensive team that includes a nutritionist, a clinician um, to meet every month and to prepare you. But I do think there probably needs to be some standardization of how that education is done, because it may look very different for some people if you had a kind of semi-detached clinician, they may just sign the paper and no way you 
take some numbers, sign the paper, they might not be giving you this counseling because honestly, they may not have it in and of themselves. Like I, I was practicing primary care for probably about three to four years before I got boarded in obesity medicine. And I thought I knew, I thought I knew, and I can own that. Like I thought I understood, like even when I was going to do, I was like, I know obesity medicine, I treat people with, but I have learned so much and I continue to learn so much. And so I think sometimes, um, there people, weight, unfortunately, is one of those things that people think they know. And even they think they know about bariatric surgery, but there's so much more to it until you work with people like we have. Right. And kudos to you for really embracing that piece to it. Like, you know, here you're, you're chatting about it. You're an expert in your field. And yet you're also letting our viewers and audience know, like, hey, I didn't know it all. I thought I did. <laughs> and I think that reson is going to resonate to a more realization for people to understand that physicians, you know, they, they have to keep uh, open-minded and educating themselves. And I think some of those tools in education, you know, when you, when you are really focusing on a certain field, you really grasp, oh, wow, you know, I learned that, but did I really know it? So mm -hmm. kudos to you for, for sharing that piece to it. I really applaud you for that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's a, life is a continual learning lesson. I say, if you meet someone who thinks that who or you meet a doctor who says they know everything, be grateful because you met God or run because you met they don't know everything. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh, that is so true. And you've shared so many amazing things today. I was trying to write notes as fast <laughs> as I possibly can. So many golden nuggets. And uh, we definitely have to have you on again. Let's just... Oh, thank you. Yes. I mean, you share so many great, much great information. And where can our viewers get a hold of you? Oh, yeah. So great. So, you know, my program is Embrace You Weight and Wellness. They can head over to my website, um, which is EmbraceYouWeightLoss.com. And, um, and it's EmbraceYouWeightLoss.com. I have lots of resources there, including one thing is a free book of affirmations, because I really believe, again, as we've talked about the mind, free your mind and the rest will follow and mindset, and just really speaking that positivity of what you want to come. So often we're so negative, right, on our on our journey. Like we say, I can't lose this weight. I hate how I look, all this negativity. And then we're expecting positive results. So I just wrote that book of affirmation, includes some data on the power of positive thinking, the power of positive affirmations. And then it has a list of things that people can say every day. And that's free on my website, embraceyouweightloss.com. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And we will make sure that your um, information gets posted below, below this um, live video. Again, we just can't thank you enough. It's been a pleasure having you on today. And in closing, I just want to say to everybody out there who's considering weight loss or a life, let's call it a lifestyle change, please contact Dr. Boley and her team. They can certainly help you. She's helped over 10,000 patients. She is the real deal. She is amazing. Contact her today. Once again, thank you so much, Dr. Boley. And we hope, like I said, we hope to have you on again soon. Okay. My name is Janice, AKA Wellness Diva 3.0. <laughs> and I am with two 
Sisters, and this is Carol Sue, aka Naughty Boss Lady Canada, live from Pickleball U. It's Trending Tuesday. You've gotten so many golden nuggets today. What I would have to say is, what have you triumphed over? Look in the mirror and don't forget to tell yourself that you love you yourself. Pat yourself on the back, whatever that journey is going to be, but go out and spread some kindness, spread some positivity. Thank you so much. And you guys have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow for Wealth Wellness Wednesday. Take care, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. <laughs> that was fun. Great job, sisters.